This episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who donated $1 a month through Craft Sanity's Patreon page. Learn more at CraftSanity.com. Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. Well, if you couldn't express yourself, how would you de-stress yourself? And if you couldn't make and build and sing, and knit and paint and dance and spin, would you go crazy? Well, if you're going crazy, here's something amazing to help you keep it together. One, two, three, craft sanity, craft sanity. Hello and welcome to episode 180. I am really excited to be here and to finally get to share with you all these interviews I've been recording and stockpiling. While I was recording all these interviews, I was doing so in preparation for Craft Sanity Magazine, issue 10, this issue that I've been talking about forever. And uh, <laughs> it's I'm holding it in my hands, folks. It really happened. It's It's done. It's out there. It's traveling in the mail right now to people who subscribe way, way, way long ago to Craft Sanity Magazine. And I am you know, back on track, which I'm really happy. Um, it's kind of unbelievable to me, actually, because it was quite a, a long way to climb to get back uh, to this point. And I do explain this in my letter from the editor that is right in the inside cover of the magazine. Very happy to be back. And I will be bringing you a number of shows that I recorded when I was preparing content for the magazine. So I was doing interviews with people from around the globe and writing stories about them to put in the magazine, being mindful of the fact that I'd want to broadcast portions of those interviews. So I think this is going to be fun. If you're curious about the magazine, uh, if you're in the Grand Rapids area, you can head over to craftsanity.com and find out where you can find it locally. Uh, I'll also mention it in the after show. It's also available at craftsanity.etsy.com and the Craft Sanity shop. Uh, and then the PDF is available there too and also on the craftsanity.com website. So if you're interested, go ahead and check it out. One of the stories that you will see is about my guest on this podcast. Her name is Yulia Brotska and she is a Russian-born artist who lives in the UK with her family and she is a, a paper quilling artist. Her work is absolutely stunning and it was brought to my attention when the U.S. Postal Service sent me a news release about the new love stamp that was released in January. As it turned out, Yulia was the designer of that stamp. If you look at it closely, if you haven't done this yet, check it out. Next time you're at the post office or when you get a, a, a letter in the mail, if you see the love stamp, the new one, the 2016 love stamp uh, is a, a paper quilled heart and it is just really lovely and uh, made for beautiful, beautiful artwork. If you see it in larger scale too, it's really just gorgeous. On this episode of the podcast, Julia is going to tell us the story of how she got into paper quilling and how it kind of happened accidentally. I really love the story of how she got into this, and I think you're going to enjoy this too. So I would encourage you to grab a project, settle in, and we're going to hear from Yulia Brodska about her life as an illustrator and artist. We're going to hear all about her love of paper. Ever since I interviewed Yulia, I have wanted to 
try paper quilling and I haven't had a moment to do it and I was kind of afraid to try it before my magazine was done because I was afraid that I would not stop because I don't really do anything in moderation. You know, if I get really into something, I am like completely obsessed. So now that I'm in the clear, well, almost in the clear, uh, I think I might give it a try. So that's might be something you guys want to do. Get some strips of paper out and give paper quilling a try while you're listening to the show. All right, I'll do a little more explaining about where I've been and where I'm going at the end of the podcast. But for the meantime, let's uh, give a quick shout out to acshomeandwork.com for sponsoring this show. Uh, Ted is continuing to want to be associated and affiliated with Craft Sanity. So I really appreciate that, Ted. Hello to everyone else at acshomeandwork.com. I also want to thank my Patreon sponsors for their continued support. Thanks a lot. I really do appreciate it. All right, so let's settle in for a conversation with Yulia Brodska. I'm so glad to get a chance to talk to you. The U.S. Postal Service sent me a, a press release, and they had the, the new love stamp, and then they had a link to your website. And so I was looking at this really cool artwork. It looks like it's paper quilling, and is it all paper quilling, or do you, how do you describe your work? Well, I do use the term quilling sometimes, but more often... I just either call it paper graphic or paper artworks just because I don't just use the quilling and also I don't use it in a traditional way. For example, when I just started, I I didn't even know that the technique I was using was a type of a quilling. When did you first start working with paper in this way? My background is in graphic design. But I always had a like, tendency to more handmade styles mm-hmm. and especially paper. I tried the origami at some point. I was, I was interested in making like, handmade uh, sheets of paper using newspaper pulp. I never thought it would be my thing, but I just somehow I always liked to do something with paper. It took me a while to find my own way to combine my love of paper like with my experience and knowledge of graphic design and typography and illustration. Uh, the whole process, yeah, I think it took years. But I started to use this edge glued paper craft technique more than six years ago. Where did you go to study graphic design? In Russia for a bit. Then I thought that uh, it wasn't enough. So I came to the United Kingdom to continue my education, and I finished with a master's in graphic communications. And at, the, at that point, I decided that I don't want to be a graphic designer. Oh, you decided um, you didn't? You said you, you decided that you didn't want to be a graphic designer? Yeah, I've, I've, I've done my master's, and I just uh, found myself that I thinking that I want to do illustrations or something handmade or hand drawings just just not anything with a computer right well it is it is kind of a different thing i know i do i'm a printmaker and i I spend a lot of time carving linoleum blocks to print and uh i will sometimes you know put some something together on the computer and print it out and then you know carve it but i don't really like spending gobs of time on my computer I, i really like the tangible like making things with my hands slowly and um, off the computer. So I can, I can totally understand that. So was it for you, though, um, kind of, a, 
Like, were you a little bit nervous though when you realized, geez, I don't really want to do graphic design after you had gone that far in your education? I mean, did you immediately start working with paper, or had you been working with paper all along? Well, I never, I never thought that uh, all the years I spent studying graphic design, I wasted. Oh, obviously wasted not. Time. It's very closely related to what you do. Sure. Yeah, it's all kind of contributed to 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 my development. Well, initially, I, after I graduated, I decided I want to be an illustrator. So I started to do hand drawings. I, I was using like a thin graphic pen, mainly black and white, but also some colors. So completely different style, different to what I do now. And it took me about two years, actually, to to develop my hand-drawn style. And uh, I've made certain amount of these drawings, and I wanted to make a little like booklet, like a portfolio. And I I was looking, I wanted to do like a cover illustration featuring my name, Julia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for this little brochure, uh, and I was just looking for an eye-catching way to illustrate my name for this cover. And somehow I remember this method of uh, edge gluing strips of paper, and just I used it to make the letters of my name, and that was the starting point for my further experiments with paper and typography. And so, did you send that out to prospective clients when you made that first? Um, well, well this, booklet? This, this booklet never happened because I got so interested in paper oh. I, just, <laughs> I quickly forgot about all my drawings started to experiment with paper first I used just white paper then I tried to use colors and I always uh, wanted to incorporate typography that was mainly what I was doing lettering in the beginning and yeah and I never came back to drawing since I discovered my style with paper. And how long would you say it took you to develop a, a style with the paper? I mean, where you felt like you had found your groove and were, you know, you were kind of had a method and a process in place. Now looking, looking at the time, I think it really hit me straight after I have created my name with paper, with paper strips. I just saw how how easy it is how interesting it looks, how nice it's photographed. It has this tactile 3D-ness effect. Mm-hmm. I just thought this is really cool. I just need to do some more of it. And I, and I, I somehow knew that, that, that that's what I will be doing. Well, and it looks to me like this is... Um, I, can't, I can't tell the scale you're working on. So when you're making... Uh, like the love stamp, for instance, that you you just did for, um, and you probably did this a while ago, but it's coming out uh, now uh, for the U.S. Postal Service. How big is that design that's on the stamp? Did you make it very large, and they they just reduced it for the stamp? Well, of course they had to reduce it for the stamp. The stamp is so tiny. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> but I'm just trying to get a sense of how big your yeah. work is. If you're working with tiny bits of paper or like really large pieces of paper. Well, it is quite a compact form of art. Most com- most commonly, I use either A3 
format of paper or A2, probably. Okay, so that would be like a, um, I'm not sure, A2 and A3, I'm not sure what the dimensions of that would be. So how big? Well, uh, I have traveled with inches, so centimeters will help. Okay. A3 is about 30 by 40. Okay. 42 or something. And A2 is twice bigger than that. But I just saw a note that I made for myself with inches. A3 is 11.7 by 16.5. Are these pretty tall designs, or do they rest pretty closely to the surface of the paper that you're working on? It's uh, about one centimeter. Okay. And so do you have to cut all these yourself, or do you? Uh, is that part of your process, or are you able to purchase paper in strips, like quilling paper? Quilling, the traditional quilling paper is usually really thin. Okay. I can't use it for the type of art, that, for the type of work that I do. I think they started to 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 sell the like a card cardstock paper strips right now, but uh, when I started, no one even heard about these things. I I just bought the large sheets of paper and I cut them myself. Oh wow. That's a, so do you have a really nice paper cutter or do you cut them with the scissors? I cut them like with a ruler and uh, uh, like a wallpaper knife. Okay. All right. That sounds time consuming. So you have a lot of, uh, a lot goes into this before you even can start working on the design. It does take some time and I know I can find a quicker and easier ways of doing it. But uh, Somehow I also enjoy this process. It just helps me to get me in the mood, feel the paper, just get used to the texture, color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so I, I don't mind. Yeah. So, and then you have to, um, and one of the things that's so intriguing to me when I look at these designs, and and you are doing everything from text that's all, you know, like has a 3D, like comes off the page, uh, you know, a basic thank you uh, looks very, very intriguing because you have a, a like a rainbow colors and birds and a little smiley face with hair I mean it's like really really fun but then you also have these very complex like looking portraits and you know just very involved graphic designs that you're I mean you're creating a, a whole uh, so much imagery with paper and it seems like it's uh just, I, I mean, I look at these and I'm like, geez, I don't even know where she begins here. Do you sketch out a design in pencil and then try to trace that with the paper? Or are you creating your design as you go? I always make sketches. So first of all, when I work for clients and if it's a commercial job, sketches have, must be approved first before I go ahead and start making the design in paper. But even if I do something personal, I still need to make a, even a rough sketch. Because once I glue a piece of paper, and it's, uh, I can't remove it easily without uh, damaging the surface. So I need to have a very clear idea of uh, what am I doing from the beginning. It, it doesn't mean that... Uh, like the the final 3D paper art will be made li- in like um, line for line, as, as, 
it's a scared season how to you just right you just, it sounds like that's you have a pretty clear idea but you sometimes might make some changes as you go yeah yeah that's, yeah. that's what i'm trying to say yeah nothing is set in stone i still have to make quite a lot of decisions during the process because sometimes i think that uh, something might look particular way but when i start making it it looks different so i have to change it rather than like blindly stick to the initial plan well it's, it's gorgeous work i mean this is just i'm looking at a it looks like a a peacock with a bunch of flowers around it and i mean these designs are just they're just stunning and it's so impressive to see that you've done this all with paper and um so i can definitely see your graphic design background comes through very strongly because um you're using your uh, you're definitely falling back on that skill set it sounds like for every design you do because you're having to compose something and they're very successful yeah. pieces yeah as i said i'm i think i'm, I'm happy everything happened the way because mm -hmm. i have more tools to use for my work so what was the, after you, you were making the book and you were making, you know, your name out of paper and then realized like that is really what you love to do. You, you fell in love with the paper, working with paper and how quickly were you able to start getting work, um, getting hired to make these designs for companies? And I mean, cause a list of people that you do business with is pretty impressive. You're connected to a lot of big name uh, companies and organizations that you've done commissions for. Um, how soon did that start happening? Well, yeah, once I've made my name with, with paper, then I spent about three, four months trying other I mean, other words, uh, color, and uh, just, just trying to familiarize myself with this method a bit more and develop it and see where can I push it? So I, in the end, I had about seven or eight pieces that I was happy with. So together with my husband, we took pictures of these pieces, and I started to email them to publications that I liked. Initially, I've chosen just about ten of them. And uh, in a week or so, I got a call from uh, the art director of the Garden Supplement, which is called DT2, and he said, if I asked me if I wanted to create a cover for that Christmas issue, and I said yes, <laughs> even though it was a, the time frame was a bit crazy. The task was to make um, seven illustrations in five days, Oh my goodness! And, wow! Uh, I still had to say because <laughs> it was my first commission for paper art, and I spent most of the time doing the cover and making sure it looks good. The rest, the, the other six uh, like sport illustrations, they were a bit smaller. So I hardly slept during this period, and. It I still kind of when I try to remember how it, how difficult it was, kind of I'm a bit hearing oh <laughs> when I think about it. Just, but it, it sounds like it was. It sounds like that was really. Uh, that's that taking that assignment though. It sounds like that was like kind of a springboard for what would happen next. What was the name of the publication again? The, 
the guardian. Oh, the guardian. The guardian. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I just want to make sure that I'm clear. So it was the guardian was the first, and that's um, is that based right in London? Um, well, I, I, I didn't have time to go and visit them, but yes, the the guardian is uh, there in London. Right. But I okay. only had we only had like a phone conversation and okay, the, and then you just by in. email, and then I had to just quickly make sketches and start making the papers. Right now I, I'm experienced and I can estimate the time properly. But back then I just you know, it was my first paid commission. Before that all my paper experiments I could take my time with them. Right. I couldn't really tell if I would be able to make it or it was so stressful I tried to kind of make to try to work faster, but you, you can't really work faster. So the only way was to just spend the night hours on it. Oh my word! So when you got it done, did they like it? Were they happy? Oh, they were very happy, and uh, it was a very successful project. The most successful. It uh, ended up in DNAD, like an annual, which is. Uh, it's like an Oscar for the graphic design. Oh my goodness! And so, for and, your very first, very first commission, ended yeah, up getting. Yeah, the, the art director was, <laughs> was quite shocked himself. That we, we we've done quite a quite a great job, and it was new. I think the 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 main thing it was something really fresh and new that no one ever seen. So that that's why it has the most impact. Perhaps I, I, I'm happy with my, with some other project that I worked on later on, but it just because that was the first one that oh, yeah. was so impactful. Well, that's exciting. So when you finally got a chance to maybe sleep a little bit after you got that assignment done, were, did you um, did other assignments start coming in quickly after people saw that that work you did for the Guardian? Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. It came out, and since that, I never had to look for a job. Project just came, came, kept coming to me. I, and it's been like that for the past six years. I'm very lucky. Wow! Well, congratulations. That's really <laughs> Thank that's you. cool. So, are you working independently then? You just um, ha- you work on when commissions come in. You just uh, have an independent business. Is that how this is set up? Yeah. Well, that's the best way. You can be your own boss, right? <laughs> I am my own boss. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah, and it, but is it also, um, I mean, are there times when you have too much work or too little work, or is it pretty steady most of the time for you? It's pretty steady. There's, there's been some periods when I had too much work and I had to refuse the job just because I, and it was physically impossible to make and take on every single one, one of them. At, at the moment, it's kind of a steady flow. I also get time to work on my personal projects. All the people, old people's portraits that I started to make, it's, a, it's something that I'm doing for myself. It's not commissioned work. And I really enjoy exploring this part. Kind of, it also helps me to develop my style further. So if you see the very first examples of my work and you see what I do now, they are quite different. 
so it's it's not the same it, it keeps evolving right well and i i'm looking at your on your website right now under the artwork uh link you have these portraits that are absolutely stunning i mean i just are these people you know do you work from photographs or how do you um pick your your subject matter for the the art art pieces you're doing i just collect uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh, different photographs that i saw saw somewhere on the web and uh, i kind of um, mix and match trying to for the for the idea that i have they inspire me, but also I. No one tells me what to do and how to do so. Right, I can you're not working. Go on... ahead and try yeah. a bunch of different uh, ways of using the paper. Yeah, and it's so really I can't believe. I mean, the amount of because um, you're able to create shading and texture. I'm looking at a piece called King of Spades, and so you have a textured beard, textured eyebrows. And then all the variations of, you know, skin color, um, you know, and you created the shading all with paper. And it really is amazing. How many hours would you put into a piece like that, which that's a portrait of a person? I always find it difficult to say how long the work took me because I try to do everything possible to distract myself from counting the hours yeah, and realizing I, no, how long it's the process yeah, I, No, I, I understand. I am the same way because sometimes you get done with the piece and you're like, wow, that took like weeks and you're, mm -hmm. you look at it and you're like, I hope people value this at <laughs> the time. Yeah, sometimes it gets overwhelming just the realization of how much time I need to finish a piece of like a, a work similar to this so instead i usually distract myself with music audiobooks competitive cooking shows and whatever works yeah. <laughs> very roughly a piece like that usually takes weeks rather than days i mean something easier something like for illustration uh i mean editorial commissions for magazines or something on the white background more designed it can take me three four days but all the portraits are something with lots of details it usually means a couple of weeks at least mm -hmm. and for portraits it can be months when it sounds like you probably work on the portraits uh in between, like uh, you, what you do, you do magazine work and other commissions while simultaneously, like you might work on your artwork and then switch back to a commission. I mean, it sounds like you probably mix it up what you're working on. Yeah, or, that's, that's exactly yes. how it works. So then it's really hard to know how much time you spent exactly because you're not working continuously on that one, you know, portrait. So um, I'm looking, I scrolled down and I'm looking now at a portrait of a woman in a it's a kind of a headscarf and this is a and that it looks like you use kind of a looks like a mosaic effect with the paper on the scarf is that something that you did it almost looks like you did it on the computer but i know you didn't do it on the computer because you don't work on the computer <laughs> that's really that's really no, it's, really it's cool like Oh my word, that is really, really amazing. And I, I'm just stunned by how you're able to create that, the, the wrinkles in the fabric. Because, you know, when you wrap a scarf around, a piece of fabric around your head, 
and tie it under your chin, you're going to have that. I mean, there's that it's the fabric kind of creases and uh, wrinkles a little bit, and you're able to accomplish that effect with paper, which is just really stunning. Was that really hard to do? I mean, did you have to really do, you know, try a few times to get that to work? Or is that something that now you just know your paper well enough to know how to make all those shadings? Maybe I'm not pronouncing it right. You know what papier mache is? Paper mache? Yes, I do. So first I like sculptured the, this uh, headscarf. And when I was making it in, uh, I think I used clay, if I, if I remember right. So when I made the the clay like uh, mold. Okay. So, so then I I played with it and made 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 sure I uh, make make the textile look I mean, realistic. So then I uh, used uh, newspaper to make that uh, layer of. Like a first layer, and then I glued strips of paper on top of the newspaper layer. Okay, so this has more dimension coming off of the the background. Yeah, it's, it's it's paper mache scarf with paper on top of it. Yeah, that is. It's just really really wonderful. So it, it sounds like you really are you're branching out. It just keep you're continuing to push your art in into new new areas and. It, what is that like for you to be able to to just kind of keep pushing uh, to see how far you can take this? Why is that just, fun? I think it I, it comes naturally for me because I get bored of doing one say the same thing over and over again. I mm-hmm. want to keep it fresh. So perhaps it's even a kind of a necessity to experiment and use different methods. And I still have a long list of things. I still want to try, and it's always paper. I I never thought of like using some other material. I, I'm still so in love with paper that I, all my ideas are based around this material only. And so, how how much paper do you keep around in your studio? Do you have um, lots and lots of paper, or do you just try to keep it to what you're using at the time? Well, it's I have it's like the room which I use as a studio is not big, but it's stuffed with boxes and drawers, and uh, it's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and what is your favorite kind of paper for this? So it sounds like you're not using traditional quilling paper. Uh, are you able to use any kind of paper, or do you use like a construction or um, a cardstock paper? Well, I use any paper that I can find. The main criteria for me is the color, actually, because it's very difficult to find all the colors that I like to have. It's not that I can just, you know, mix the paint. Right, that's and, true. And get any color that I need. I have to use whatever is uh, produced. So wherever I go, I try to visit local art shops and, and search for uh, some local paper brands. I constantly buy paper online just you know to to be on top of uh, whatever is available because I, I I do end up using whatever I I get. So and have you have you ever used paper like you know we all get like junk mail 
like some stuff that's not really used, like advertisements and things that are just, or see paper and like a publication. I mean, do you, have you ever, ever taken paper, like use recycled paper in, in any oh, of your projects? That's papers, like in magazines or advertising, it's too thin and it, when you cut it, the edge is not colored because this type of paper is oh, really yeah. white. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think printed. about that. Yeah, you need you need paper that's solid all the way through because you're, t- you're turning on the side. When you're, for mm-hmm. your work, you're, you're shaping those strips and they're actually on their side. It's not, you're not looking at yeah, a flat the, the, piece. the edge must be the colored. Edge. Of course, I can't color it, but... <laughs> that would take a long to, time to, like, yeah. color it, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Doing my. extra work. Yeah. Well, well, once or twice I used um, like uh, like a brown card with one of the clients. They do pizza deliveries, and they wanted me to use their pizza boxes. Oh wow! To make an artwork for them. Was that hard so to I do? Used... Was that hard to use pizza boxes to make artwork? It's not hard. I just. Uh, I made it. I think it looks nice, but it, it doesn't allow you much in freedom. It doesn't bend as good as paper does because you know it's uh, it's not flexible enough. Right. It's brown. <laughs> it's brown. <laughs> so the whole the whole piece was brown. And do you yeah, have that? So it, it's nice to to have like one project like that, but I'm not that inspired. To use, keep using it. <laughs> right, right. Well, it sounds like you're up for the challenges, though, that people pose to you. I mean, just looking at the list of clients that you have, um, I mean, you've done things for Neiman Marcus, and um, uh, it sounds like you have Martha's, you've been in Martha Stewart Living, and um, Wired, and The New York Times, Blender, I mean, Target, you've done stuff for, so a lot of huge companies and publishers. I, I counted recently. I think it's over 150. That's clients Wow, that's that impressive. And you've been doing this for six six years. And I also had two kids during this year. And you have two kids. Wow. And how? So how old are your children now? Now they're three and a half and five. Oh, wow. girls or boys? One of each. Wow, that's so cool. Well, congrats to you. So you are you? Do you work from your home then? Do you have your studio in your house? Yeah, I that that's how I like to to work. I I feel good at home. What part of the day do you like to do your work? When they were smaller, I I did have a nanny for them, so I could do a proper nine to to six and eight eight hours working day. Mm-hmm. And when they go to bed, I work in the evenings as well. Okay, and so are there? Are there? Are they in school yet, or is they're probably still? Uh, do your kids go to school now? Oh um, yeah, now now they 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 go to school. Okay, so you have a little a little bit of time there where you can get some work done before um, they're back. But is it's is it fun for? I mean, do they enjoy what you do? Do they to watch you work? I think my daughter is proud of me, even even though she's five. She tells me, Mommy, I, I like your work. <laughs> it's very sweet. <laughs> so when you're working, do you have any favorite tools that you use, things that are totally essential that you need to, besides your paper, what else do you need to do your work? I have a very special tool that I can't work without, which is a cocktail 
Astro, and I use it to like curl a strip of paper. Okay. I was not oh, expecting you can use anything. Of yeah, <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to say the cocktail straw, but that's pretty cool. So that's what you that's what you found works for you. And how did yeah, you was... how did you discover that that a cocktail straw was your going to be one of your best tools? Well, back then when I just when I was doing my name, I was looking for something to 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 use for this to to coil the paper and curl it. And the only thing I could find lying around was this firm cocktail straw. Mm -hmm. So I started to use it, and I can't use anything else since. And <laughs> I also, for, for like a smaller, smaller rolls, I use uh, cocktail sticks, little sticks, little wooden sticks, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so sometimes I get emails. Uh, People ask me, can you please uh, send me your tools or tell me where to buy them? And my tool is like cocktail stick and cocktail straw. And people are like, what? Um, <laughs> yeah. So do you have to do you have to buy like how uh, how long can you use a cocktail straw or cocktail stick before you have to get another one? Well, the cocktail straw that I have is quite good. So I think right now I'm just on my fourth. Really? In six years? Yeah. Really? In six years. They're, wow. they're good. That's I only cool. have two, two left. I hope I'll manage to find some more. Otherwise, my practice. <laughs> well, you're going to have to go out for some cocktails or something and, and get some straws and be like, uh, actually, I'm just here for the straw, please. Um, yes. <laughs> that's so funny. Well, and that's the a thing. very valid reason. Well, the first time you picked up the cocktail straw, was it just something laying around the house that you were like, oh, I'll try this? Yeah, that, that's that's exactly how it was. Because you do need something like really round. Right. And all my pencils, they were uh, like um, with the... Uh, oh, yeah, they're like that hexagon shape or... A, yeah, hexagon yeah, yeah, they're they're not, this yeah, so they're not perfectly round. So you need something round. And yeah, you all, all the pens, small. they were too thick. Right. And this cocktail straw was just so so comfortable to hold. So I just <laughs> You're not sending the actual artwork to a client. Are you sending a photograph of the artwork or how how do you do that? Well it depends. It depends on the type of the commission. For instance yeah, most of the time if it's an advertising task or editorial, they only need photographs. But sometimes clients want to have the original as a, I don't know, to put in their offices or just something to remind them of the campaign. Yeah. Sometimes I get commissioned for the originals. It's not 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 often, but sometimes. For instance, for Wimbledon last year, first I made a poster that they used for their like, advertising and promotion, but after that they. It was received really well, so they decided uh, to commission me to make uh, an original piece that they will hang into the clubhouse for the club members. So it, it's not going to be used as a, I mean, any promotional thing. It just will be something to be in, installed. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's. Interior. And does did I read somewhere on your website? Does Oprah have one of your pieces? Yeah, that that was the project. 
when I was doing work for for her uh, all all the opera magazine mm-hmm. and it was the tenth anniversary issue, so I've done a series of uh, paper artworks for that feature and uh, after that uh, I think it was Gail King who bought them for her. Oh, so her friend Gail bought the artwork for for Oprah. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. So, were you were you emailing back and forth with Gail King? I was her assistant. Oh, that's so funny. But it doesn't matter. Was this like a big deal for you to get commissioned by Oprah Magazine? I I thought it's just uh, it's a nice, interesting new project. I I'm, I don't know, good or bad. I never get starstruck. Is there ever a time when you came close to being starstruck where you're like, whoa, this is really a cool assignment? Oh, I'm trying to remember. Well, there are projects that I I like to think about when they come out. For instance, all the packaging projects because you can buy something featuring your artwork. It, it, it is quite different to seeing it on billboards or posters or somewhere else. But when you can actually like buy a product and there is a picture of your art on it, mm-hmm. it has a bit different like feel to it. I can give it to the people and say it's like my fault. So what type of product has your art appeared on? Uh, I've done Godiva chocolate and... Uh, this year, I've, I did two projects for Icy Miyake fragrances. There was summer edition and uh, also the Christmas set that just, uh, it was around in December, I think it still is. So I, I, I sent some, some packages to, like some, to my family, to some of the clients. So it's nice to to be able to touch. (laughs) Do you have a special space dedicated to photography of your work, or do you have to take it out of your house to do it? Well, in the beginning, it was quite difficult to to get it right. But with practice, with experience, we we learned what the best way and how to photograph the work so it actually uh, appears three-dimensional. When the, we do some of the photo shoots like in house, when it comes to bigger projects or when the artwork has to be reproduced in large scale, then we have to go for some studios in London that can do you know the proper huge files. So we also kind of get some experience working with them. Mm-hmm. Over, the t- over the time, I think we, we managed to to use the, the, the equipment that we have the best way. Right. So, but I know some of your work has gone on, like, billboard size. Is that the biggest that your work has been? I think the biggest was in um airport in Tokyo. They actually they have, like, a light screen across the whole the whole foyer I have a picture it 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 looks huge. I think it's much it is several times wider than the largest billboard. Oh wow. I think it's that was the largest size my work has been seen. 
Well, and that is that a permanent installation there, or is that was that a temporary advertisement? I think it was a temporary advertisement. And this, the funny thing is, usually I get comments that my work is very neat and accurate, and you can't really see glue traces. But the 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 Japanese company I worked with, they said they asked me if I can try to be a bit more, even more accurate, because when when they blew up the artwork to that huge size, they could just they could see every half oh, millimeter <laughs> difference. Oh my word! <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you're not. I mean, yeah, obviously that when you blow something up that large, that's um, yeah, you're gonna have to start working with giant pieces of paper. A whole roll of paper. Um, <laughs> oh my word! Well, that's 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 really funny. So, what is your favorite? Um, you do, I don't know if you, I mean it's probably hard to pick a favorite um, uh, thing. But do you do you prefer the art that you do for yourself, uh, the portraits that you're working on, to the commissions, or you know if you could pick, you know if you could spend the day working on something, what would you choose to work on? I I, I like to have a balance of commercial work and personal ones because personal projects take a long time. If I just keep working on them, I slowly start to hate them. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it's good when I can just put it aside and do something completely different. Then I come back to it with a fresh eye. So I, I do enjoy having a bit of both worlds. Looking at your work, it seems like you really enjoy working with with bright colors. And um, is that something that you consider a style point for you? Is just using using a lot of color? I think it, it happens naturally, maybe because I did use white paper quite a lot. But then there are other paper craft techniques that uses white paper, and it looks maybe even more interesting visually. So I. Maybe white, like just white paper, is not that exciting for quilling or edge glued paper. But when I use color, the paper gives like a reflection, and the colored shadows they blend depending on what color paper I use next to each other. So it just visually it makes artworks very rich in color. And just a nice feature, and maybe I, somehow I, I get commissioned for color illustrations more than I do for just white or uh, limited color things. So I, I do like color in general. The U.S. Postal Service sent out a press release that I received about the new love stamp. And I'm curious about how that project came together. Did they just see your work somewhere and contact you? Or is there a story behind how that commission came in? For the STEM project, I worked with uh, Antonio Alcala, who is art director. And he has done quite a few USPS stamps. Uh, I think he just, he just saw my work somewhere and the idea came to, to him to do the next stamp with paper, something handmade. So that, that's how the conversation started. And from there, 
we just discussed how to do it. And have you ever done a stamp before? Or was this your first stamp? This is my first stamp. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe I'll do more in future. <laughs> and so is this something that, are they going to send you some stamps, you think? Well, I, I don't know, but I did enjoy working on it. it it's quite specific, I have to say, because the, the format is tiny. So when I design it, I, just, I have to think and scale down my sketches just to see how they look in that tiny, tiny size. Is that the smallest commission you've ever gotten? Like, have you ever worked this small before? Like, That's the smallest. I can't imagine doing anything smaller than that. Than a stamp. Yeah, because yeah, you wouldn't be able to see it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, well, it's really, um, I think the thing that's so striking about your work is that in a very short amount of time, you've become uh, an artist who's known internationally for your work, which is, did you ever imagine when you're doing that first paper project that you would become internationally sought after by companies and organizations. I always wanted him to, to be able to make a living doing what I want to do. That was my like an ultimate goal. But I usually I just keep going rather than think about what I would want to do. Mm-hmm. You just... So I just keep working and then somehow things come. Another thing that I'm noticing about your approach to all this is that you um, you didn't try to to do this the way other people do paper art. You just started making paper art, like working with paper. You enjoyed it and you kept going and then discovered later like, oh, quilling. People are doing this thing called quilling and they have there's tools that people use for that. And it seems like you're content to use the cocktail straw and uh, sticks and and that's that's how you work and you're doing it your own way and I think so, sometimes people um, run into kind of a they plateau a little bit or can't really get see, fully realize the potential of their work when they try too hard to have their work be like somebody else's and it sounds like one of your secrets of success here is, has been just the fact that you're continuing to develop your own techniques and do it in a way that seems nat- comes natural to you, would you say that that's has that seemed like that's been a major contributing factor to your your success? Yeah, well, I I can agree to that. Of course, I always try to um, to show what I do to other people, and to I, I would still be fine probably and sitting in the room and keeping everything to to myself and all the work I created, but it gives you more confidence to to know that other people like your work. So uh, kind of, I, it's, it's not a huge necessity, but it's, it really helps. But what you, what, what you said is uh, I, I do agree with it. It's, there's not much point trying to adjust to whatever trend is going on at the moment. If you don't enjoy doing it, it just it will it won't work. So you have to stay true to whatever you like. You've given a lot of great um, advice as we talked, but I don't know if there's anything else that you would say to th- those folks who might be trying to to get their bi- their work out there on an international uh, stage as opposed to just in their own community. 
Uh, I don't know if you have any words of advice for those folks. Well, I think my main advice is what we already discussed is that it, it is important to do what you're doing rather than trying to be in fashion or follow trends. And it's very important to keep experimenting and uh, once you find that something you like and try to push it to maybe new directions because in most cases new styles and new ideas they happen on the edge of uh, to you know crafts or, or whatever to disciplines so it, it just takes time to experimenting not not to give up and just try this try that and it will if it's you know, it needs to bring, bring joy as well. Well, it sounds like you have found a, a way to find joyful work for yourself uh, and create a way for you to make a living and still be um, accessible to your kids and uh, and make connections around the globe. So I like consider myself very lucky. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I wish you and your family well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank Pleasure you. Talking. A special thanks to Yulia for being a guest on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I hope you folks at home did too. You can head over to craftsanity.com for links to find Yulia's website and see some great samples of her work. As I mentioned before the show, Yulia was also featured in Craft Sanity Magazine issue 10, so there are a lot of great uh, images of her work. The magazine also features a story about how art gets on a stamp, how it's selected, that whole process. And I got to talk to a couple of the gentlemen who were involved in getting Yulia's work onto a stamp. So if you're curious about that, you can check that out in issue 10 of Craft Sanity magazine, which is available in the Craft Sanity Etsy shop. Also, it's available uh, in a PDF format in the Etsy shop and also directly from my website over at craftsanity.com. So um, you can check that out. I hope this episode inspired you to try paper quilling. I know that's something that I definitely want to try. So I'm excited about that. Before I sign off, I want to just tell you all that I'm going to be heading to the Midwest Craft Con in Columbus on Friday. So less than a week away. I haven't been to a convention in a while. Honestly, I'm looking at my week's to-do list and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, do I have time to go to a convention on Friday? Uh, The rational answer is probably no, Jennifer, you don't, but I'm going to go anyway. And I'm really excited about it, though, because I will get a chance to meet so many of the people that I've interviewed on this podcast in person. So this will be fun. I'm planning to drive my minivan down to Columbus, loaded with everything from the teepee fort that is on the front cover of Craft Sanity Magazine, issue 10, to my smallest printing press that is turquoise and will kind of look cute by this this teepee. And I am also going to bring some weaving looms and some magazines and, oh, geez, whatever else I can fit in my van. I don't travel light, folks. In fact, the hotel might be a little concerned that I'm going to be staying longer than a weekend when they see what I roll in with through the front door. So anyway, I think this will be fun, and I am looking forward to it. I don't, as I said, I don't really have time to go, so... Um, it's going to be a little stressful just worrying about everything else that I need to get done. But 
I'm going to go and do my best to just focus on recording as much as I can with people that I would not be able to see all under the same roof. So that will be fun. Look for updates on that. Watch my Instagram feed at Craft Sanity, and I will be updating you folks on what's going on through the weekend. I will be posting on my website as well, but I'm really going to be trying to collect things and put some things up that have been edited and can be a little more polished than just kind of random clips. I, I want to kind of polish things up a little bit. So we'll see. It's kind of experimental. We'll see what I come up with. I'm also going to be talking to folks there about relaunching and kind of getting things started again. And I feel like um, it's kind of funny, actually, when I agreed to go to this convention, when Grace, one of the organizers, contacted me, I was like, man, I would really hate to go to this thing and not have another issue of my magazine out. So the women who organized Midwest Craft Con have no idea that that basically was a catalyst for me to like just go out there and do something. And like I wanted to have a deadline and that became my deadline because I did not want to show up in Columbus without magazines. So I really hope I don't forget the box at home. <laughs> my word. Uh, because they're done, folks. There's proof on the internet. And uh as I mentioned before, you can the print run is limited. I really dialed back the print run this time. I'm due to print costs and also just the circulation issues with distributing when you're a small time independent publisher. It's complicated and postage is, is expensive and driving all over Michigan in the snow is is you know just nerve wracking. So um, I'm thinking about moving more into the electronic format as my main thing. And I kind of, I don't know, I have mixed emotions about it because I like to have my things I like to read collected on my iPad. I really like that. But I also like if I'm working on a project, I like to be able to, or I'm cooking something, I like to be able to just kind of have a paper copy in front of me. So uh, I'd be interested to hear your feedback. Those of you who have been, you know, following Craft Sanity Magazine, uh, shoot me an email after you see issue 10 and let me know what you think. So once again, I just want to thank you all for your patience. I have a lot of podcasts that are in the hopper. Uh, I got to talk to Clara Parks recently, and she even did a reading for me. Well, it wasn't just for me. It was for all of us. I felt like, wow, this is so cool because not only is Clara Parks an excellent writer, she's a fantastic reader. So you have that to look forward to. I will be bringing you the interview with Clara Parks next, and then there are plenty of others coming down the pipe as well. So stay tuned. Before I sign off, I do want to thank my Patreon sponsors and the cool folks over at acshomeandwork.com. I have so much to do before I go to this convention. So I'm going to get back to work. My students have a newspaper coming out this week. And somehow we're going to get everything done that needs to get done this week. So you guys have a great week. I will be back soon with another episode of the podcast. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at CraftSanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at CraftSanity.etsy.com. Same time next week will be Craft